Welcome to the Vacation Effect Podcast, where we discuss time and lifestyle hacks for the busy entrepreneur, helping you grow your business even faster by working less and having a lot more fun. Now, here's your host, Denise Gosnell. Welcome to today's episode of the Vacation Effect Podcast. This is your host, Denise Gosnell, and today I'm really excited to have Mitch Russo with us on the show. Mitch started a software company in his garage, sold it for eight figures, and then went on to work directly with Tony Robbins and Chet Holmes at Business Breakthroughs International, where they built a $25 million business together. Mitch was the president and CEO of that organization, where they served thousands of businesses a year with coaching, consulting, and training services. Nominated twice for Entrepreneur of the Year, Mitch helps companies scale rapidly. In 2015, Mitch published his book, The Invisible Organization, which is the CEO's guide to transitioning a traditional brick-and-mortar company into a fully virtual organization. In 2018, Mitch published Power Tribes, How Certification Can Explode Your Business, which is the master blueprint for building profitable certification programs. We'll talk about some of the great topics from both of Mitch's books in today's episode, so stay tuned for that. Mitch's podcast, Your First Thousand Clients, focuses on discovering the secrets of success from business owners who have served a thousand clients or more. Today, Mitch helps his clients build recurring revenue streams by using his proprietary certification training and his podcast with super smart business owners. Mitch can be reached at MitchRusso.com. Thank you so much for joining me today, Mitch. My pleasure. Great to be here, Denise. Yeah, I'm really excited for us to chat in more detail because you and I have attended a few different events together over the years, especially the last three years. I think I've seen you at like three or four different events. We must have similar uh, interests in the, the circles that we're running in these days. But I've always enjoyed all of our conversations, even though they were so brief. So I'm really excited to dig in with you today on some of the wisdom that I can tell that you've, you've just got such a vast expertise that I'm excited to dig into. Awesome. Let's go. Cool. Well, um, so I know that over the years, you've been the president and CEO of some big organizations. So you're used to managing large teams and dealing with a crazy busy schedule. Um, you know, on this podcast, as you know, I'm focused on, you know, time, business and lifestyle hacks for the busy entrepreneur. So given your background with such crazy busy schedules and the uh, roles you've played before, what are a couple of uh, techniques that you can share that you've used that were really critical to maintaining your sanity? Well, you know, first of all, uh, let's talk a little bit about self-care. I, I think we tend to neglect ourselves <laughs> when we're in the middle of some big project or running a very large organization. And, you know, the fact is, is that that's the first, that's the first battlefield that we must scale and, and, and achieve and accomplish because, you know, our self-care gives us the ability to do what we do. So I, uh, when I was in the throes of it, I was getting a massage at least once a week, sometimes more. I was going to the gym at least four times a week, sometimes more. So I maintained a fairly rigorous self-care schedule and that gave me clarity and able to see things I would never have seen if I was just pounding away 10, 12 hours a day. And don't get me wrong, there were times when I did that, but over the years, that turned out to be one of the hacks, if you will. It sounds like it might take a long time to do it, but it actually saves a lot of time because the productive time makes me so much better at what I do. 
So what I hear you saying in that is that, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs might feel like they don't have time to go to the gym or time for that massage. But for you, you actually found that doing so actually gave you more clarity than had you not done so. Did exactly. I understand that? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's um, a lot of what I talk about with um, clients in my program about how I always encourage them to take more time off. They're like, but I can't afford to take more time off. I'm in growth mode. What mm. would you say to that when you hear that answer? I can't afford to take more time off. I'm in growth mode. You've been in growth mode your, your whole life, Mitch, or a lot, a lot of your you know, CEO life. So how do you answer that? Well, I'll answer it with the, with the way I used to respond. Um, so I, I still take time every day to meditate, but on particularly busy days, I take double the time to meditate uh, because I know that I need to sort things out on a spiritual level before they will sort themselves out on the physical level. So I'm, I, it's a non-intuitive action because most people would think, well, let's stop. Why don't I just skip meditation today and instead get down to all my busy stuff? This way I'll have more time, but it's the opposite for me. Yeah. What did you find was the biggest benefit when you would take double the time to meditate on the busiest possible day to just make you go through the day with more ease and grace? Was that the idea? Th that's certainly part of it. But the other thing is, is answers. You know, we all need answers. We all have questions and we're looking for answers. So what ended up happening for me is that the answers would come if I prepared my mind to be in this state, the, the perfect state to receive those answers. And for me, that helps. Meditation is a big part of what, what keeps my mind in a place of receptiveness. That's great. And um, I don't know if you have ever met Jason Campbell. He's a, he owns Zen Wellness in Arizona, but I did a great interview with him um, in one of my earlier podcast episodes that for any listeners that want more on what Mitch is talking about here, check out that episode with Jason Campbell on meditation. He's like a Zen master on that topic. So um, yeah, thank you so much for, for those insights, Mitch, on, on the meditation aspect, you know, and then how do you handle it then? So like you so if I understand correctly, you know, you do the self-care, the, the gym workouts and then the meditation and, you know, to basically that foundational care for yourself. Mm -hmm. And then let's say you get to the office or virtually whichever way you're working and then the buzz starts, the cell phone's blowing up, the emails are blowing up. Like mm -hmm. how do you manage all that without feeling overwhelmed? Well, I mean, first of all, let's be fair. I mean, I do feel overwhelmed on occasion, um, but when I feel myself going into being overwhelmed, uh, one of the things I try to do is prioritize. And so for me, prioritizing is looking at all the emails and picking only the ones that are important for me to answer now. Uh, phone calls, hmm, you know, I don't answer the phone. So the phone can ring and ring and ring. I never answer the phone because if it's not scheduled, uh, throughout my day, then it doesn't get to interfere with my workflow. I mean, of course, if it's a family member, that's something different, but you know what I mean. So mm -hmm. that to me eliminates a lot of the issues, but I still try and prioritize. I still try to make sure that as I look at my day and even the day before I look at my calendar the next day and say, is there any prep work I need to do for tomorrow? Like I had prep work to do for today and I did it last night. So that always helps. And is that a common thing that you do kind of as part of a daily routine, the, the yep. prep work the day before? Absolutely. Yeah. Like I, I tend to do that on the day before on weekends and then during the week I do it that morning. So, but I think the importance of prep work cannot be overstated. Like it just helps you 
um, you know, like you said, prioritize your day and be ready for success. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So super important for me to do. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes I, I look at the following week's calendar. I'll, I'll look at like next week's calendar. Go, oh, good. It's kind of empty. That'll be nice. I'll have time for some other projects I'm working on. And by the time Friday rolls around, the next week's calendar is booked. <laughs> so, right. That's you know. always the case, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd love to talk more about your book, Power Tribes, and this notion that you talk about there on how certification can, can help businesses grow. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by certification um, and then like how it can help businesses grow? I know there's a million different definitions of certification, so I want to know what you're talking about in this context. Sure. Well, I think what I want to do first is explain certification because it has, as you say, many various meanings and, and the, the type of certification that people offer varies as well. So let's talk about some of the simplest forms of certification. So right now you can go on to my friends at Digital Marketers website and you can buy a course, take the course, finish the test at the end of the course and be certified. And that would have cost you, I think, somewhere between $95 and $195. Um, and, and that's fine. I mean, what that does is it gives you some confidence and knowing that the course you just took was completed and completed successfully. However, um, it doesn't truly certify you for doing the work. Uh, it basically says, yeah, you completed the test and were able to answer the questions. Now, can you do the work? I think that's a different question. And that is the type of certification that my, my people do, that my tribes do. And so what I mean by that is, Oh, let's talk about another one. Very famous guy named John Maxwell offers coach certification and he charges $18,000. I think that's an old price. It might be more now. Um, but it turns out that, you know, for uh, $18,000, you get basically the same sort of thing. Uh, you get a body material to study. I think it's fairly extensive body material. Um, and then you have a community that you could enter. I believe it's on Facebook. And then you take a test and then you get certified for $18,000. But you do get a very beautiful certificate that you could hang on your wall. Uh, now, that's great if that's what you want and you have a coaching business. But for most people who buy certification, particularly coach certification, they are more interested in coaching than in going out there and building a business and trying to generate leads and try to close leads and all this other stuff, that's foreign to them in many cases. And it's not the part of the job that they like the most. And I think very few coaches are successful at selling themselves. Some are, uh, and, and some have to become great at it by necessity, but most people aren't. And that again is different from what we do. So when I build certification for a client, what we do is we find people first of all, that are super enthusiastic and love the process or the product, then we put them through a much more intense certification than the types I've described. So we don't just give them material to study like a series of videos. We give them exercises that they have to do in the field because the way super learners learn is by handling three core areas first. So the first core area is understanding the terminology of what you're about to study. So what we do is we bring people through a terminology lesson, if you will, 
uh, every single new uh, module that we create. So when, when, a, when a client is working with me, uh, what we're doing is making sure that their material is not only well laid out and pretty much bulletproof. And the, the reason we know it's pretty much bulletproof is because people have already learned how to do what they've been teaching them before. Now the question is, how do we teach new people to not just learn the material, but learn how to implement and learn how to teach? So that requires terminology. It requires the ability to learn and then do, learn, then do. Uh, and that's a very important element of true learning that gives you the ability to retain what you learned. And then the third thing is to understand the role of gradient in what you teach. And here's what I'm trying to say, and I'll give you an example. Um, gradient in teaching means that you start off very slowly, like slower than most people would want. And then you progress in the material and slowly raise the gradient of what you're teaching. So you move a little bit faster, and then maybe the third or fourth or fifth lesson, you've now increased the gradient enough that people can zip through uh, the majority of material going forward. Uh, and once again, if we employ these three components, learning will happen much better in the people we're trying to teach, and they will actually have the skills that we are trying to teach for. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. To clarify, so is this a framework that you teach your clients and in your book about how to be um, better at building a certification or that's the part that I'm not clear on? Yeah, a part of building certification is making sure that your courses and the programs that you take people through to be certified are transferring skills, not just information. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, thanks for clarifying. So then and so how exactly then does employing, you know, certifications where, you know, you're measuring, can somebody do the work? How does that help a company grow? Well, that's step one. Once we have that in place and then we've built certification to the point where we could teach what we do. Step two is using our resources to generate lead flow for these certified coaches or certified consultants. So the process starts with learning, then, then it moves forward to setting up systems on the back end, even before we launch our certification program to make sure that we can generate lead flow for our certification customers, clients, if you will. And what that then does is allows us to help our new, our new clients who are paying us to be certified. We're helping them uh, make sure that when they go into the marketplace that they have lead flow and we give them all the tools necessary to close that lead flow. And that means that we set up their autoresponders in advance. We write all of the emails that are going out to prospects. We use our own prospects, meaning the company's prospects that they have ample numbers of. Most people who have a thousand clients have 10,000 or 20,000 prospects. Well, what we do is we repurpose those prospects because they hadn't purchased yet. But now what we do is we couple them with certification clients. So now when a certified consultant is writing to one of our clients and saying, hey, I know you looked at this thing in the past and you didn't purchase, what I'd like to offer you is a chance to work with me directly free for two, three, or four private coaching sessions 
so that now you can get it. And I'm even willing to offer you a small discount to get you going. So it's a different proposition than the one you as the company made to those prospects. Odds are you'll, you'll recover 10% of those prospects over the course of time by having your certified consultants make that offer all coupled with their free coaching. Yeah, thank you for clarifying that. And just to give another example, because you mentioned um, digital marketer um, as another example of um, different types of certifications. So digital marketer has these different um, certifications on like certified email marketing specialist or certified social media marketing specialist, you know, different categories of things. So Mitch, if I hear you correctly, what you're saying as an example is, you know, these different certified email marketing specialists or social media specialists that Digital Marketer has, they might be able to go and obtain some clients that Digital Marketer wasn't able to serve or didn't want to serve um, for, for whatever reason. It just wasn't a fit or they didn't do in individual services. And then these consultants can come in and, and help pick up that business because they can offer all kinds of different packages, but they get to advertise themselves as a certified digital marketer, email specialist, or social mm -hmm. media specialist, or whatever the case is. So it's like, you know, in this case, you're talking about teaching companies like the digital marketers of the world how to create that certification program mm -hmm. in a way that allows them to um, charge for that program and then help um, other consultants grow as a result. Right. But notice what happens, which is kind of interesting. Um, what happens is that once we couple our prospect base with our new certified consultants and they make an offer back to those prospects, what they're doing, and there's, there's, you know, a method to the madness here. What they're doing basically is they're building a relationship with those people. I mean, three, four coaching sessions that are, they give away for free. Uh, they're going to get to know those people pretty well. And 25% of those people will sign up for more coaching. Mm -hmm. So the coaches are willing to do it for free because it's a chance for them to secure new clients right off the bat. The other thing that we do, and that's just one example, by the way, when we build the program, we create multiple streams of new client opportunities for our certified consultants. Another thing that we do is we add a, a typically an intern, but a PR person, a PR intern to the company. And the goal of doing that is these uh, PR interns are going to research each individual certified consultant or coach and look for speaking engagements in their area. So imagine if you were a certified coach for a particular company and you received an email that says, good news, you get to speak in front of the, you know, the Los Angeles Bar Association uh, on, you know, October 31st or something. I don't know. But, but the point is, is that this PR intern is literally individually setting up speaking gigs for all of your certified coaches or consultants. I mean, no certified coach is ever going to look at that email and go, what, if, what do these people think they're doing? Uh, I better tell them to stop. This is ridiculous. I mean, they're going to say, oh my God, this company is amazing. Look at this. They're actually setting up speaking engagements for me right in my area. What could be better? Right. And that's a value add that you can add on as the certifying entity to give the providers, the, the certified companies, various benefits. That's one great benefit that you're suggesting. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the whole point of doing it is to make certification a profession. So when, when one of my clients who, who pays me to help build certification uh, ends up graduating their first 
class of certified coaches or consultants, we don't expect them to be successful. We help them become successful. In fact, we cause them to become successful. And we do it for two reasons. One, because these people just pay us a lot of money and we want them to pay us a lot of money the following year to recertify. Well, the only way to do that is to give them 3x to 10x the return on their investment. So if you paid 25K for certification and ended up making 75 to 150K as a result, odds are you're going to pay for it again next year because that machine continues to run for you every single minute that you're involved with that certification program. So every day you wake up, you log into your CRM and there's leads, live leads waiting for you because, I mean, you're a certified consultant with this company and that's what they do. So... Yeah. So along those lines, do you typically recommend structuring the certifications where there's a recurring annual fee? Because I've seen it done both ways and it depends on the situation. I never, ever build a certification program without at least three, uh, three streams of recurring revenue. As yeah, many are, as eight, by the way. Okay. What are, what are a couple of examples of what those, when you say three streams of recurring revenue at a minimum, what, what's an example of that? Well, first of all, it is individual. So they might be three different streams for different companies. So the first example is the most obvious one, recertification. Mm -hmm. so, so every year, somebody is going to pay the company to recertify. Now, the numbers become quite interesting with just 40 or 50 certified consultants. Once you get to 100 certified consultants, you're talking three to five million a year in fees and revenue from your certified consultants coming in. Mm -hmm. Now, don't forget, by the time you've done that, you now have a sales force that you didn't have before. And this is a sales force that pays you for the privilege of selling your products and services. And now you're, that sales force, in my case, became my third largest sales force right behind retail and direct. I mean, retail, it actually was almost neck and neck with retail when we were in the retail marketplace. I mean, it was huge. And we didn't even know it was going to happen. That's how crazy this whole thing was. And then another simple recurring revenue stream is every year, you are going to hold a symposium for all your certified coaches or consultants. And every year, they're going to pay one to $2,000 to be in that room. Because every year, there's a shock and awe uh, announcement that they will come to expect. Uh, the other thing, of course, that happens is that every time someone um, graduates from the program, we use those testimonials to, to recruit the next batch. So typically, we're running certification in quarterly classes. Some clients like to run at Evergreen, where it's just available anytime anybody wants to buy it. And I think you need to get there, but you shouldn't start that way. You need the camaraderie of the class. You need everybody starting at once. You need to be able to beta test this new certification program so that you're, you're doing it in a small batch at first to make sure that you got it right. Another core element of the certified consultant programs or coach programs that I build is that we install a culture before we even begin to offer it to clients. So we literally work, I work one-on-one -on -one with the CEO. I understand the CEO's why and I help them craft a company culture that guarantees that you won't run into the problems of what many companies have run into that don't do this. This is a critical step. 
Yeah, you know, I just wanted to underscore one thing that you just said and all of that that I thought I want to make sure listeners really understand. What Mitch is talking about here is so powerful in building a certification program where you literally have a sales force that pays you for selling your products and services. Not only are you making money from the certification fee itself, but you're, they're also selling your products and services where you're getting more orders for your products and services. You're, it's like you're making them a reseller for you. They have to pay you for that privilege and you're getting paid for every sale. And now, that, of course, that depends on the way the program is structured, but that's how most of them are structured, right, Mitch? The way you're, you're recommending it? Yeah. Even, I mean, think about it from a standpoint where there's no literal products, but licenses. It's even better. So certified consultants uh, would receive a residual on every license that they sign a new client to. So in their field, in their client base, if they started using, you know, you, maybe in this case, you would be my client. So uh, every time they started using your technology, your SaaS platform, they would receive a monthly stipend or commission, if you will, uh, every single time that client pays. So the other and third thing that many people do is at the symposium, there's a series of upsells. Um, there might be extra training days that people can pay for. There might be ascension into higher levels of certification that people pay for as well. Uh, th- then, of course, there's VIP days and all the things that people like to do to raise money as they, um, you know, as they as they run live events, and all those things are very very lucrative as well. So, the number of opportunities for revenue coming from your certified consultants uh, can be can be impressive. Yeah. So um, yeah, definitely. So it's very interesting indeed. And I can imagine what some of the listeners are thinking is, well, how do I know if my company is a good candidate for a certification program or not? Maybe they think what they're doing isn't that unique. How would you answer that? Well, you know, it's as simple as asking yourself, um, do I have intellectual property or not? Um, So the way that looks is that many people buy a coach certification, and then they go into business as a coach. Uh, and they, they could be very, very successful um, doing just that. The problem is, is that if they have not created their own intellectual property, then it's going to be hard to certify people on anything. What usually happens is as coaches get experience, I'm using coaches as an example, but it could be, it could be any type of company. But as they get experience, they develop their own intellectual property, a way of doing things, a process that works even faster than anything they've ever seen, uh, a system which they invented to help get a result that clients love. Those are what I consider an example of intellectual property. If you have that and you are not the only person who can work it, and here again, you know, I, I once had a client and she's... I'm not going to say her name because she's very well known. Um, and she said to me, Mitch, the, the real problem is, is that I'm the only one who can do this. And I said, well, how's that working out for you? And she says, not so well. <laughs> I, have to, uh, I have to travel, you know, 200 times a year. Uh, and I, I'm getting to be, you know, I'm going to be 60 soon. And I, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. I said, well, how about if I can guarantee you that we could take what you do and teach it to others. And she says, well, I don't think that's possible. Well, her team chimed in on that and said, yep, 
is possible. You just need to let go of it and be willing to share it with us and coach us and to make sure that we truly have it at the level that we need. And the level that they need is not her level. They might mm-hmm. get up to her level eventually, but the level that you need to cause a transformation in another is not as big as you think it is, as long as it's not magical. In other words, as long as you're not, you know, like reading people's minds or doing some supernatural stuff that only you can do. Uh, and I don't deny that that exists, but if that's you, then you probably can't certify what you do then. But right. if that's not you and you have a process that you perfected and you can teach it to others, and now others can have the same level of transformation then you are in a position to create certification. So like for me, I have my vacation effect curriculum where I right now I work clients through it one-on-one and in group settings, but I could turn that into a certification program where I certify other people on that methodology and they can take clients through that same transformation. Exactly, exactly. And if you have enough people who have been through your program and benefited from it, that becomes the first place for you to go when wanting to sell certification because people who love what you do and who benefited by it are typically the first to buy certification because what it comes down to is they want to do what you do. Have you ever had anyone say to you, you know, this looks like such a good thing that you're doing. looks like you're having such a good time doing it. I would love to do what you do. Now, you may not have had anybody say that to you directly, but many of my clients have. Cool. Yeah. And that's, that's a first sign that, you know, Hey, this might be, I might be onto something here that could be a certification program. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. I'll, I'll have to think more about it for, you know, the vacation effect, like the clients that I've worked with so far, are mostly CEOs running companies. So they're not necessarily looking to be a coach themselves, but they were thrilled that I helped transform their life from being a workaholic to having more time and freedom than they ever thought possible. But the point is that there's still a group of people who might want to be certified in that, whether it's the clients I've taken through it or not. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Well, I hope everybody is understanding the the um, the magnitude of what we're talking about here, because this is one of the great ways you can add recurring revenue to your company and then build a sales force of people that become your ambassador for your products and services. And yet you give them a platform to build their own business without having to have created the methodologies. It's like a win-win for both. So um, is this when you talked about on your website and in some of your materials, um, some of the best revenue streams that uh, entrepreneurs didn't even realize they have. I assume this is one of them. Um, what are the other ones you're talking about when you say that? The, some, what, some of the best revenue streams many entrepreneurs never even realize they have. Well, let's go back. Let's take a step back here. Um, most of us built a business around one product or one service. And let's just for the example of this, take it, make it a product. Uh, and I'll use again software as an example because that's most of, not most, but many of my clients are in the software space. So you build this amazing software tool. Uh, it's incredible. It changes your people's lives. They love it. You get all this great feedback. Now, other than selling them an update or an upgrade, how else are you going to make money? I mean, there's really only two, three ways to make money. There's the first way is to find more people to buy what you have, which you're always doing. The second way is to raise the prices on what you're doing and selling that to the same people. And that sometimes doesn't work. There's a back, there could be a backlash to that too. And the third way is to introduce new products to sell to the same customers. Well, that's the part that most people get 
you know, caught up on because maybe they don't have an idea for the second product. Maybe it would take 18 months to three years to build the second product. Well, how about thinking about the product you already have and simply certifying people in that product? That is how to grow a business without creating a new product or a new service. And what it will do is a side note, it will take what we call lumpy revenue cycles. Like once a year we have a big upgrade uh, or once a year we, we do something, you know, maybe we run a commercial during, you know, Super Bowl or something. I, I know most of us don't do that, but it's an example of a, of a once every so often type of event. Well, what certification does is it takes your business and provides you with regular increasing cash flow. Uh, and so instead of waiting once a year uh, and hoping that you get a big hit on your launch, on your summit, or whatever it is that you currently sell, how about turning that into a every day, every week, every month event where people are signing up for certification or, or people are um, uh, recertifying and paying you again, and people are paying in advance for their symposium seats and for advanced training and VIP days. And, uh, uh, and then, you know, when you get to the symposium, uh, the thing we didn't really talk about yet is ascension. Ascension is so important. If you remember the days when you used to go to work for companies, uh, no one ever really wants to stay in the job that they were hired for. They, they'd like to be promoted. They like to advance. Right. Um, and so we should have that too. And we do. So here's the cool thing in the way this works. Let's say that you signed up for certification. You took the training. The company helped get you up and running with your first three clients. And then at that point, you're out on your own and working with clients and you're making money. And it's actually turned out to be a pretty good thing for you. But Next year, you say to yourself, I wonder what else I can do. And the company then offers you something kind of interesting. The company says, how would you like to evolve from being a certified consultant to being a mentor? Well, you say, well, okay, but why would I do that? And what's in it for me? Two of my favorite questions. The first answer is you do it because you're already an expert at what we do because you've been doing it for nine months now and you you're obviously getting good results. Uh, we always get compliments on your service. And now it gives you the chance to help others. And what I mean by help others is that we now assign you every new person who, be, who joins our certification program for you to be their in-program mentor. Now, the reason you're going to do this is because you are going to get 15% of every sale they close uh, up for a particular period of time or for a certain number of clients until you feel they are up to speed and can handle clients on their own without help. Now you're going to have to pay to be a mentor, but whatever you pay, whether it's 25 or 50,000, you'll earn back many times over by getting 15% of every single apprentice that you work with. And you could work with up to 10 at a time. So as, as one graduates from your little mentor program, you pull someone else in. The company is thrilled to have you, by the way. Why? Because you paid the money, number one. Number two, you now take the burden off the company for bringing those new folks up to speed and apprenticing them. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great idea. 
So, and it's, you know, get, giving, letting you leverage your ambassadors and, um, you know, taking the burden off the company to have to staff that at the same time. And it's with somebody that already knows it in the trenches. Exactly. And, and you know, it also adds another dimension uh, to the program. And, it, and I mean to the culture. Now it's a helping culture. Now it's, it's as that we help you culture as opposed to just we're all in this together culture. And that makes a huge difference. It pulls people together. It builds relationships inside your program. You know, and we touched on culture just a little bit, but to, to say a few more words about it, um, the, the value of culture can never be overstated. It's so important. And without it, it almost crashed my company the first time I ran certification. I actually had to shut down the program, cancel everybody's certification, and then dig deep into the mistakes that the people who were already certified um, dig deep into what it was that went wrong with those particular clients. And we found some very surprising, shocking, even amusing things that went wrong. And we never anticipated those when we set up the program. So, I mean, we never anticipated that people would show up at law firms, you know, dressed like it was the beach or smelling <laughs> like they hadn't bathed in seven days or like being late for appointments and not understanding what the problem with that was and on and on and on. Well, those are all the elements that we deal with in the culture. So once we're at a place where we're building certification and we're taking people through it, now we're installing this culture. And in this cultural environment, there are rules that say you must show up on time for the appointments you make with clients. Sounds simple. You must shower <laughs> the day before you. I mean, it sounds simple, uh, but it's shocking how many people don't. And it's shocking how many of these things need to be stated up front so that they are enforced later. And that's the part that most people don't anticipate. And that's the part that gets you in trouble because then you have people complaining that the program is not working. And, you know, all of a sudden you're getting complaints from customers who are these weird people showing up in my office and, or even these weird people that I, you know, I'm trying to work with over the phone. They, they're not on time, et cetera. In part of my job is I also debug coaching programs for my clients who have problems with them. And almost always, almost always I find out that they don't have a contract with these, with their coaches and they don't have a culture. So, and many cases they've oversold the program and now have to walk it back and really be clear with what the expectations should have been. Yeah, that's really important to, you know, set those proper expectations and set the proper culture. So are those kinds of topics talked about in your book, Power Tribes, the ones you've been sharing so far? Absolutely. Cool. Well, there. we'll be we'll be giving the link for that at the end of the uh, end of the show. I'm wondering, Mitch, um, if you uh, if you have a moment that I could ask you a couple quick questions about something I know you're going to know some great answers to that comes up all the time with my clients on building virtual organizations. Sure. Um, so one of the big challenges that my clients and friends face, and I hear all the time, is how to engage your employees in a virtual organization. Do you have any advice on that? I do. Um, and, and this advice is for everybody, but in particular for those people who switched from being physical to virtual or have switched teams. So you could take a team of people that used to work inside your brick and mortar company and move them outside 
Uh, and all this is in my first book, The Invisible Organization. But the point here is that the lesson is communication. So what mistakes are made typically when people move a team into virtual status is they don't communicate enough. They think that the level of communi communication is adequate, and in most cases, it's far from adequate. So that means the CEO must be communicating on a regular basis through video recordings, through group meetings, through Slack rooms, all of the things that make sure that the management team, and in particular the CEO, are visible and participating. Because what happens is that when you move a team outside the company, you are going to lose the bond that they have built. Even if you've never had them inside a building, you want to strengthen that bond. I mean, we had some examples of folks in my past organization, uh, Business Breakthroughs, when I was building that company with Tony Robbins and Chet Holmes. We had some great managers who did some stuff that was just off the charts incredible. Uh, we had one manager who used to have virtual pizza parties. Um, what she would do is she would order pizza for all of the members of that team. Wherever, whatever city they were in, there was always a Domino's pizza or a Pizza Hut. So she would have pizza delivered to their houses, and we'd all get on a Zoom call, the equivalent of Zoom back then, and we'd all have pizza together while chatting. So that's a fantastic way to build community and to make sure that you are communicating at a level that keeps people engaged. And that's the most important part. That's a great idea. I mean, such a simple example, but, you know, most of us remember the pizza parties at the office, you know, when we worked, you know, in offices and mm -hmm. I never thought about, you know, having a virtual pizza party where we all eat, watch each other eat the pizza over Zoom, but we're talking about, you know, as we're, as we're chatting. Yeah, exactly. It's fun too. It's mm -hmm. give it a try. It's really fun. It's not too expensive either. You know, 20 bucks a person typically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and that's something that, you know, did, did she have a particular time range that like once a month that that would be done or, you know, like I'm sure you rotate it with other things too, not just but the pizza. It was kind of a surprise to be honest. You know, mm -hmm. we never really made it, you know, like a regular thing, you know, it was just like, okay, pizza party, you know, who's here next Monday, we're gonna have a pizza party. And, and that's, that was the, the joy of it. But what it really comes down to, if I could tell you a lot more things, but they all lead to building communication systems and over communicating. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so over communicating, so doing it more than you think. And does, I assume that applies even if the team always started out virtually, whether they move from brick and mortar or not. That's right. That's right. Okay. But, it, but it's more important, particularly for those who are not used to communicating at a higher level, or I shouldn't say higher level, I should say at a more, uh, a more frequent level. It's more important uh, on, in a virtual way, but the, it should be, it should be all the time. Well, and I know there are a million different platforms that different companies use, you know, whether that be Slack or that be, you know, different, you know, channels of communication, email, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Is there any particular methodology or channel that you found to be really effective for that communication? If you had to pick just one, what's your favorite? Uh, all of them. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole idea is it doesn't have to be one thing. And it doesn't, one thing is not necessarily better than the other. So if you, if you want to, you know, send everybody a, a, a meeting link to Zoom, um, you could have a Zoom meeting. We've done it on Skype. We've done it on GoToMeeting. I mean, it, it almost doesn't matter. Gotcha. It's just a matter of whatever channel the company is using that people can gather on easily and just bring in them there. 
Exactly. So my final question for you is, um, you know, do you have any other time or lifestyle hacks or, you know, another time or lifestyle hack that I haven't asked you about yet that has played a really big role in your life that you'd like to share? Well, I, I have to tell you, uh, I think you got them all. <laughs> I mean, I, we've talked a lot about different things here. And, you know, I talked about my, my routine, my personal routine and my work routine. You know, really what it comes down to, if I have only one thing to say, is mind your thoughts. You know, when you feel a negative thought coming on, allow yourself to simply go, nah, not going there. Because it's the thoughts you think that, create the emotions you feel and the emotions then feed those thoughts. And before you know it, you're in a spiral. Might as well be in a spiral upward instead of a spiral downward. Yeah, that is so true. That, that is such great advice. It's like the idea of you hear that inner voice that says something negative and you're like, no, I don't believe that. Go away. <laughs> it's the equivalent it. to that. Cause it's like, we are not our thoughts. And that's what I learned in meditation that you were talking about earlier, like that's learning right. to watch thoughts float by in meditation and learning that we are not our thoughts. We get to choose whether we accept the thought or not. That was one of the biggest things I learned in meditation. Would you agree? Absolutely. So true. Yeah. So I love what you said there. Well, Mitch, um, I would love to have you tell us what are a couple of resources that you can recommend if people want to check out the stuff you've been talking about. Where can they find you? And do you have a free gift or a resource you recommend they pick up? Sure. Well, first of all, if you're going to buy the Power Tribes book, you can buy it on Amazon. But if you go to powertribesbook.com, you might as well still buy it on Amazon for the same price, but get the free course that I've created for the book. It's like a companion course to the book. So now what you'll end up doing is getting some videos and some downloads that will help you in understanding some of the processes that the book takes you through. So powertribesbook.com is for the book. Mitch Russo, M-I-T-C-H-R-U-S-S-O.com is my base site where you can find my podcast called Your First Thousand Clients. And from there, uh, if you have any questions, reach out to me and say hi anytime. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Mitch. And remember, everyone, freedom is a mindset, not a destination. Until next time. Thanks so much for listening. For more information about The Vacation Effect or for details on today's show, head over to our website at vacationeffect.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.